A desire to declutter is really sweeping the nation right now. And a big reason for it is a new Netflix show starring Japanese tidying up guru Marie Kondo. And in each episode, Kondo is invited into a house that's overflowing with unorganized stuff. And she helps the family clear the clutter so they can have a much more peaceful and stress-free home. Now, one of her methods is kind of strange. By the way, how many of you guys watch, watch the show? And, and you're trying to tidy up and you're already feeling overwhelmed that you can't do it, can't fold things like she does and all that. But anyway, one of her methods is really interesting. She tells the family to take every item from their closet and go through each item one at a time, hold each item in your hands and ask yourself the question, does this spark joy? Does this pair of jeans spark joy? Does this old t-shirt spark joy? And if it does, you keep it. If it doesn't, then you thank it for its service and you send it on its way to fulfill its purpose elsewhere, like at Goodwill or the garbage. And I was thinking about that for a moment and I thought, don't you wish you could do that with some of your relatives? You, you use the Marie method on some of your relatives. I mean, you could just come up to them, put your hands on their shoulder and go, yeah, that's what I thought. You're not sparking any joy. So I'm gonna send you on your way out of my life to fulfill your purpose elsewhere. Well, that, that'd be kind of cool, you know, if you do that with a coworker, you know? Yeah, you know, I'm not getting anything but disgust. No, you do not fill me with joy. I'm gonna send you on your way. Unfortunately, we can't do that. Um, but we can do that with items in our house. I'm not sure how important it is to thank an old pair of socks, but all the studies show the more you clear the mess, the more you reduce your stress because the average American home has over 300,000 items inside. And just a small percentage of those are ever used. So I think it's a really good thing to declutter your house. But we're in a new series where we're talking about something more important than decluttering your house. We're learning how to declutter our lives. I mean, what good does it do to declutter your house? And yet you're schedule is all cluttered and your values are all clouded and you have no energy or time for rich and rewarding relationships, what good is it? And Jesus said the secret to a fulfilling and productive life is not in complicated multitasking and collecting clutter, it's in simplifying. The more you narrow your focus, the more you broaden your life. And there was a religious leader in the Pharisee sect, who was an expert at the law, and he came to Jesus, and he asked him this question. Jesus, what is the most important commandment? And he did this, the Bible says, to test him, trying, trying to catch him, trying to get him to make a mistake. And because you see, the religious leaders of that day had taken the Ten Commandments, the Big Ten, and they had added all the other commandments in the Old Testament together and said, these are all just as important and there are over 600 of them, and they made it so complicated that nobody could follow them. They made it so complicated that it just burdened the people down. The Pharisees didn't even follow them. They just acted like they did. It was just all fake. And so Jesus said, yeah, I can summarize all the commandments into just two. And that's our key passage today. It's called the Great Commandment. Would you open your Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 22? And would you stand in honor of God's word, Woodlands Church? And I want to welcome all you guys worshiping with us at our satellite campuses. 
Woodland Church at Tascacita. We're coming to you live, and we love you guys so much. It's amazing how God has just blessed and grown our church in Tascacita. Would you guys here in the Woodlands cheer for our brothers and sisters in Tascacita? Yeah. And Woodlands Church on North Point, you guys are amazing. God is working so powerfully in such a fast-growing area of Houston. You guys cheer for them here at the Woodlands. Cheer for North Point. Yeah. And we want to welcome all you guys worshiping with us through our online and broadcast ministry around the world. God is just bringing all of us together as one church. Doesn't matter where you are, we're part of God's church, and, and, and we want to grow in the Lord today, and we're built on the Word of God, and I know God has a word for you today that He wants to speak to your heart. In fact, what I'm going to do today, be patient with me, because I'm going to read the whole Bible. Some of you are kind of scared. Uh, no, Jesus said, I can summarize the whole Bible in a couple of sentences. I'll simplify it for you. So let's look at it, and it's pretty short, so just read it out loud with me. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second most important is similar, love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. God, I thank you that you take the complicated and you make it simple. Lord, not simplistic, but simple and profound. Because simple is profound. And it's because, Lord, you want us to understand it and you want us to put it into our lives. And we take things that are simple, Lord, and we complicate it. And we make our lives so complicated and we become ineffective and unproductive. But, Lord, I know that you have a word for us today that you want to break through our hearts so that you can declutter our lives and expand our energy you want to, Lord, do something that's eye-opening today. And so I pray over the next few moments you would just speak to our hearts. I know you want to give us truth, Lord, that changes us. And it's not complicated, but it's so profound in its simplicity that we don't do it. So enable us to do it, Lord. I pray that it would soak into our hearts and that it would come out in our lives. And, Lord, I know that that will change us completely. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can be seated. Jesus said, I can simplify all the commands down into two. Love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You need to declutter all the other things from your life that are keeping you from loving God and loving others because without love, your life is totally empty. It all comes down to love. Now, most Christ followers understand that we're to love God first, we just don't always do that, and sometimes we put other things ahead of God in our lives, and it causes all kinds of problems in our lives and relationships. But we know we're supposed to put God first in our lives, and we know we're supposed to love others. And we're supposed to not just have a self-centered focus and focus on all of our needs and wants and desires and never look out. We're to love others but we don't always do that. Sometimes we get so inward that we miss out on connecting in deep, rich, rewarding relationships that we need so desperately. But most of us miss the last part, which is so crucial, of this great commandment. Underline the last phrase in the passage, love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. <laughs> love your neighbor as much as you love 
yourself. Jesus was saying before you can really love someone else the way I want you to love them, you have to first love yourself. And that sounds really selfish at first, but it's just the opposite of selfishness. I mean, think for a moment what the flight attendant says about the oxygen mask just before takeoff. If you're traveling with someone who needs assistance, please put your oxygen mask on first, then you can help the person seated next to you put theirs on. And the reason's obvious, if you're passed out on the floor, then you can't help the person next to you who needs assistance get their oxygen mask on and save their life. And in life, if I'm going to make a difference in the lives of others and be a healing agent in the world, I must first be healthy. If I'm going to really love others, I have to first take the oxygen mask of God's love and breathe in God's love and feel God's love for me and how valuable I am in God's eyes so that I can breathe out his love onto others and care for others. If I don't learn to breathe in God's love and care for me, then I can't really love and care others the way God wants me to. And that's where a lot of it breaks down. Now, there are a lot of management books and life books on time management. And they all talk about how to really get more done, how to multiply your time, and because you know your to-do list is getting so long and it's how to declutter your schedule and that's fine and good. But I'm gonna talk to you about something much deeper than that. That's why I set it up this way with the oxygen mask because we get so caught up in being efficient in our schedules that we're not effective in our lives whatsoever. And when you think about it, we all have 24 hours in a day. There's no way that you can add an extra hour, get 25 hours. You, you can't expand your day to 30 hours or 40 hours that we would like to do so that we could get everything done that we need to get done, but God gave us 24 hours because he knows that's what we need. And if I can't get everything done that I'm supposed to get done in the 24 hours that God has given me, that I'm doing some things that God doesn't want me to do because that's not God's purpose. And here's the thing. We can't increase the hours in a day. And really, it's not about time management at all. It's about energy management. Jack Groppel, who's a high-performance coach for Olympic athletes, professional athletes, and CEOs of major corporations, says that really time management is all about energy management. It's really expanding your energy so you can get more done in the time that God gives you. It's expanding your energy for life so that you can get the things done that you're called to get done. And so if you work 18 hours a day and you think you're being really effective, you're probably not. I mean, just because you work 18 hours a day doesn't mean you're being effective at all. You may be working really hard, wearing yourself out, but it's probably just the opposite. You're probably not being effective because you're losing all your creativity and all your energy for life. It's bad energy management. And that's what it comes down to. Really, we have to declutter all those things from our lives that steal our energy and put God's oxygen mask on and breathe in energy from the energy source to re-energize our lives and to really have some energy management that takes us to the next level. You declutter your life to expand your energy. And there are four areas where God wants us to cultivate energy in our lives. And they all four go together. In the Greek mindset, they separated 
the spirit and the mind and the body into really distinct categories, and we have kind of the Greek mindset. You know, modern-day culture comes from that Greek mindset, but the Hebrew culture was totally different. In Hebrew culture, your body, your soul, your spirit, your, your mind, they all were interconnected, and they all go together, and, and it's so true, and that's why they're all so important, and there are four areas that God wants you to cultivate energy in, and breathe in his oxygen mask in so that you can breathe out to make a difference and be a healing agent in this world. And it starts with the most important, spiritual energy. Spiritual energy is the most important because it really fuels the fire for all the others because you're a spiritual creation. If you neglect your spirit, which most people do, you're gonna always feel empty inside. You're always gonna be on the verge of burnout in a way. And no matter how much you take care of the other areas because Spiritual energy is the most important because out of that comes fuel for all the others because you're a spiritual being. And so I have to cultivate a healthy connection to my creator. That's where the energy source is. The God who created it all wants to give you creativity, passion, energy, and fill your spirit with his energy. In John 15, 5, Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Now underline the phrase, he bears much fruit. That's good news because it means that God wants you to be fruitful and productive and effective. God's will for you is that you be productive in your life. Not just efficient, but really effective. He wants you to be fruitful in your life. And then he goes on to talk about the vine and the branches and the vineyard. Now, everyone listening to Jesus at this time knew exactly what he was talking about because they were all really familiar with the process of growing grapes in a vineyard because there were vineyards all around them. But maybe you're not so familiar with the process of growing grapes. Maybe you didn't grow up around vineyards. Most of us didn't. So I want us to take a closer look at this. First, Jesus mentions the vine. Now, the vine in the vineyard is the source of energy. The vine is what produces all the fruit. And Jesus says that I am the vine. He said, I am the true vine. There are a lot of false vines out there. There are a lot of things I can connect my life to that don't produce any results. In fact, did you know all the studies show that only 20% of all the things you do produce 80% of the results in your life? The 20% of your relationships produce 80% of your happiness in your relationships. 20% of what you do produces 80% of all of your effectiveness, and that's the way it is in all businesses too, really. Just about every business is like 20% of what they're doing is producing 80% of the results. And so what it means is we waste a lot of our time working really hard doing things that aren't productive. There are a lot of things you can connect to that don't bring any productivity, fruitfulness, or fulfillment in your life. In fact, if you connect to anything other than Jesus Christ as your ultimate source of energy and effectiveness and fulfillment, then you're gonna be breathing in toxins for the soul and not realize it. Even when you connect to good things, but you're depending totally on those good things for all your source for fulfillment and energy. Maybe it's a relationship. And maybe it's a, a good goal, but you, you focus in on that for all of your energy and fulfillment 
you're going to be breathing in spiritual carbon monoxide for your life. Toxins for the soul. And it's so important to understand that, that he's the vine, and we can only truly find our energy by connecting to the true vine, Jesus Christ. And then he goes on to say that we are the branches. Now, the branches in a vineyard are weak and useless. The branches can't produce fruit. The branches have no source of energy. They're not the source of energy. All they can do is bear the fruit. They're only good for bearing or for burning. And then four times in John chapter 15, Jesus says, abide in me. Abide in me. Abide just means to stay connected. So he's saying, stay connected to me. Stay connected to Christ. That's what abide means. He says, I am the vine. I'm the source of all energy and production and results in your life. And you are the branches. You get to bear the fruit. You get to be productive. But you're not the source of energy and productivity and the results in your life. And so here's your job. And this sets you free when you realize this as a Christ follower. My job is not to produce the results in my life. My job is to stay connected to the source of energy, the source of productivity, the vine. That, that's all I need to do is stay connected to Jesus and I'll be productive and effective. But many times I get my role reversed. I start trying to be the vine. I start trying to produce the results in my life trying to produce the results in my relationships, trying to produce the results in the things that I'm doing, and, and I get the roles reversed, and it stresses me out because I wasn't made to be the vine. I wasn't made to produce the results. That's God's job. All I have to do is stay connected to Jesus, and then I get to bear the fruit and the production in my life. So how do you know if you've been trying to be the vine? Let me give you some clues. If you can't take a day off, and you talk about how you're just so busy you can't take a day off, you're trying to be God, you're trying to be the vine. And basically what you're saying is, if I take a day off, the whole universe is gonna collapse because I'm so important. I'm the general manager of the universe. Well, that's God's job. If when you relax, you feel guilty, you're trying to be the vine instead of the branch. If you can't disconnect with your smartphone, your laptop, your iPad, your computer when you go on vacation, you're trying to be the vine. You're trying to produce the results in your life. If you don't spend time with God in the morning before you go off into your day, you're trying to be the vine. You're saying, I'm too busy to pray. I'm too busy to spend time with God because it's more important for me to do what I do than it is for God to be involved. You're trying to be the vine. Jesus said, I'm the vine, I'm the source of all energy. And you are the branch. You're to bear the fruit and be fruitful and all you have to do is stay connected. Then he goes on to say, there's a gardener in the vineyard and the gardener is our heavenly father. The gardener in the vineyard has the most important process that he's in charge of and that's the pruning process. Pruning is so critical. That's why in a vineyard they train pruners for two to three years before they ever let them loose on pruning the branches. And because if someone is just a mediocre pruner, they can ruin a whole crop of, gr of grapes. And so the pruner has to be an expert at where to cut, when to cut, what angle to cut, how deep to cut. And your heavenly father is an expert pruner. He knows how to declutter your life. He's a lot better than Marie Kondo at decluttering your life. He knows what needs to come out so that you can experience 
that energy. A lot of times, God will cut things out of our lives that are, are bad, that are wasting our time. If we'll just pray to him and seek him for wisdom, uh, he'll guide us to cut those things out so we can do the things that bring us energy. And sometimes God takes those bad things out of our lives and we thought they were good and we wanted to stay in our lives, but he prunes them out. And sometimes God takes good things out of our lives to make room for his best. And we don't know why he's doing it. God, why did you take that out of my life? I mean, that was really good. And God says, well, there's no room for my best that's coming. I have to prune you. He prunes us because he loves us because he wants us to be more fruitful. And some of you are going through a time of pruning right now and you're thinking God's mad at you or he's out to get you and you're wondering why God has taken some good things out of your life. It's just he's getting you ready for his best. God always takes us through the pruning process before he brings great growth in our lives. You're getting ready for a season of productivity and harvest and sometimes God takes things out of our lives that are really good and we'll never understand totally why until we get to heaven. But we do know that God is getting ready to produce a great harvest through our lives. We're getting ready to produce, to bear so much more fruit through his energy and production, and he's just getting us ready as branches. And some of you came here discouraged because you're going through a pruning process. You feel like God is cutting you back. God is cutting things away from your life that you depended upon and and you feel this painful pruning going on in your life, just know God's preparing you for your season of harvest that's on its way. He's preparing you for the greatest season of blessing and fruitfulness and productivity in your life. You know, we pray, God bless me this year. God bless my business this year. God bless my family this year. But we don't want what it takes for God to be able to answer that prayer. And that's the pruning process. Always has to take place in the vineyard before the branches can be more fruitful. And so God wants you to be fruitful. And he takes us through this process, but he knows what's best. So the whole thing is, how do I stay connected to him? Because that's my job. I don't have to produce the results in my life. I just have to stay connected to the one who does produce results. How do you do that? Through constant communication. You ought to write this down. You know, I can barely remember what it was like before 1995 when you could actually go home from work and no one could get in touch with you. You could go on vacation, you know, and maybe you'd have to use a, a payphone to, to call back to the office or someone would have to call you from something like that. It, it, like, there's just, you know, you were out of pocket. But now, after 1995 and smartphones, we're connected 24-7. You can't escape. You're always connected. And that's not good. That's why it's so important to disconnect at times. That's when we did the media fast last week. Some of you joined in and did three days of no social media, no, or no internet, or no television. Um, you, you know, it didn't matter. Whatever you're, you're kind of hooked on, you know, if you take those three days, something that detoxes you, and you get more in tune with God. And, and we need to disconnect at times from technology, but we need to be in constant connection with God. How do you do that? Spend the first 10 minutes of your day, 15 minutes with God. That's when we have our God First devotionals. It's on all of our platforms. God First devotional, you just click on it and it gives you a prayer and a promise and some words from me to encourage you for the day. And then you go off into your day knowing that you're the branch and God's the vine that will produce the fruit. And then during the day, talk to God. When you have trouble making a decision, say, God, I need your wisdom on this one. When you're struggling getting along with a coworker, God, they're really annoying. I can't stand them, but just help me, 
you know, love them. Don't pray it out loud, just pray it silently, you know? <laughs> they'll think you're crazy and they'll, they'll know that you can't stand them. So don't do that, but, but just talk to him all day. Know he's with you. If you're a Christ follower, he's not only with you, but he's in you, and so you realize that, and when you realize that he's in you, and he's right there with you, you start being aware of him and his power and strength in you. And you talk to him all during, the, stay connected to him all the time. And then constant confession, you ought to write that down because whenever you sin, just confess it. Confession means you agree with God. Instead of beating yourself up over your sins, just say, Lord, you know, I blew it, you're right, forgive me. And get right back into connection with him. And the more you do that and stay in connection with him, then the less you have a desire to sin. And God starts giving you victory. And then the third thing is constant obedience. When God tells you to do something, don't wait, just do it immediately. Take a step of faith. If in God's word you read something, just obey. Take a step of faith and do it. Constant obedience. That will keep you so connected. See, you'll be following Jesus, and we said last week that you don't have to find the right path. If you follow Jesus, the right path will find you. It's not about the path you're on, it's about the person you're following. And so you follow Jesus, constant connection to Christ, you'll be on the right path that will produce fruit. But now I want you to see a second thing. We've talked about the most important spiritual energy, but physical energy is important as well. To increase my physical energy, I need a healthy concept of my body. I've gotta cultivate this healthy concept of my body. In 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19, it says, have you forgotten that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and that you're not the owner of your own body? You've been bought and at what a price. Therefore, bring glory to God both in your body and your spirit, for they both belong to him. He, he's saying that physical energy is interconnected with spiritual energy because when you're so tired and worn out because you're not taking care of your physical body, it's a lot harder to connect with God when your mind is fuzzy and, and you have no energy physically. It's a lot harder for you to make a difference in someone else's life. So put the oxygen mask on first because your body is the temple of God. In the Old Testament, the temple was where God's presence dwelled. After Christ died on the cross and rose again, then God tore through the temple and he went right into our hearts. And now, the, the place where God's presence dwells, the temple of God, is our bodies. And so literally, if you're a Christ follower, literally, the Holy Spirit of God lives inside your body. It's not a figure of speech. The Holy Spirit of God lives inside your body. All the power that raised Christ from the dead is in your life, in your body right now. And your body is the temple of God. Now I find there are two extremes when it comes to our bodies that people sort of fall into. One is some people worship the temple instead of the one in the temple. They worship their body. They spend eight hours a day at the gym. They're, they just spend all their time and their energy and so many resources trying to look better. They're just always focused on their outward looks, always focused on their bodies. And so they worship the temple and the people that spend the most time and money trying to look better are the most insecure people when it comes to looks. They're the most insecure about their looks. Why? Because whenever you look to something that can change or be taken away to get your fulfillment and energy, you're always gonna be insecure. And looks change, and never for the better, it seems like, as you grow older. I mean, very few people lose their hair and can look good, but you know, I'm thankful that, you know. <laughs> I mean, seriously, you know, looks change constantly. For those of you who are my age, go back and look at your high school yearbook. 
you know, all the heroes are now zeros. They're all fat and bald. And that's just the women. Because, and the men are even worse. I mean, don't write me letters about that. That wasn't of the Lord. I just said that. So let's get back to the word. Um, but, but it's true. And you put your hope in your looks and you spend so much time on your, your outward appearance and what happens, you're going to feel even more insecure. And, and so the other extreme, though, is what I see from a lot of Christ followers. They don't worship the temple. They trash the temple. And whenever you don't take care of yourself, oh, I don't have time to exercise. I'm just so busy, you know, meeting everyone else's needs. I, I don't eat right. Whenever I don't eat right and I don't exercise and I don't take care of my body, basically I'm showing that I'm having some trouble feeling like I deserve that. I'm having some trouble feeling how valuable I am in God's eyes. I'm having some trouble breathing in that life-changing love of God in my life that says you're so valuable, you're worth dying for. I love you so much. I, I, I want you to take care of yourself. I want you to take care of your body because your body is my temple. I live inside your body. If you knew Jesus Christ was coming to your house right after the service, you'd just leave now, wouldn't you, to tidy up? Like some of you do before the offering every week. You'd just leave now before... Maybe you can detect some bitterness. I, I don't know. You know, that's another, another issue altogether. But anyway, if you knew Jesus was coming to your house, you would head out right now and you'd go tidy up. Jesus is coming to my house. Well, Jesus is in your house. If you're a Christ follower, it's your body. And, and we need to take care of our bodies because we don't take care of our bodies because we don't feel like we're valuable enough. And what happens is it becomes really selfish. We think we're being unselfish. But really, we're focusing on our worthlessness. We're focusing on we're not valuable. We're focusing on our bad feelings about ourselves and all those things. And what is that? That's just self-focus, and that's selfishness and pride. And God says, don't do that. Just take care of what I've given you. Be a good steward of your body. Make the time to exercise. Make sure you're eating right. Do what it takes because I want you to take care of yourself. I want you to take care of my temple. I don't want you to let it fall apart. You are my house. Well, our body's important to get physical energy, but then the third thing that really connects to the body and connects to the spirit is emotional energy. Emotional energy is really important. I have to cultivate a healthy care of my emotions. That is, I don't let my emotions control me. I, I, a lot of people just do whatever they feel like doing. You know, if they feel like going to church, they go to church. If they feel like um, giving to God, you know, and they feel motivated, then they give, but they don't usually feel motivated. If they feel like loving their spouse and doing acts of love for their spouse, they do it, but if they don't feel like it, they don't do it. Most people just do whatever they feel like doing, and they're always trying to feel happy. And whenever a painful feeling comes along, they'll do anything to not feel the painful feeling. You know, they medicate themselves, or they'll try to do just about anything to get away from the painful feelings. They run from the painful feelings. They try to numb the painful feelings because we think we need to feel happy all the time and never feel painful feelings. And, and that is destructive because you stuff down those painful feelings. They're gonna come out in crazy ways like midlife crisis. They're gonna come out in crazy ways. If you don't deal with the painful feelings and the root and what's going on and feel those feelings, then everyone else around you is gonna deal with them in destructive ways because they're gonna come out in your life. So don't let your feelings rule your life, but you need to be in tune with your 
emotions. Emotions are an important part of you. In fact, the word soul in the scripture means emotions. When God said, talks about our soul, he's talking about our emotions because we have our spirit, we're a spiritual creation, and then we have a soul, that's our emotions that all tie in together, and we need to do some soul care. In the 23rd Psalm, he says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. Underline that last phrase, he restores my soul. I said last week, you follow Jesus, the right path will find you. I'll say this week, if you're following a path that's causing your soul to atrophy, you're not following Jesus. If you're following a path that's causing your soul to die a little each day, then you're following the wrong path. Because when you follow the shepherd, he leads you to places that restore your soul. And we need our emotions restored. It's interesting that Marie Kondo has that method that you hold an item and you say, does this spark joy or not? You hold a material thing and say, does this spark joy or not? And, and one thing she gets wrong is no material thing can spark joy. And I know what she's saying, and she has got a pretty good point. Does this bring some happiness or not, make you feel better or not? Um, but there's a big difference between happiness and joy. Happiness comes from the word happenstance, which relates to our outward circumstances. And if everything happening in our lives, our circumstances are going really good, then we're happy. But when our circumstances aren't perfect, then we're not happy. And most of the time, our circumstances aren't perfect. And so we're rarely happy. So we're always looking to feel happy. We don't feel happy. We say, what's wrong? Because we're depending on outward things or other people to make us happy. Joy, on the other hand, comes from within, and it comes from God. As he, in our spirit, gives us joy in the middle of problems. Even if everything around us is chaotic, even if we're in the middle of a storm, even if we're going through pain, we can feel joy. Joy starts rising up in our emotions, and it's so deep, and it's so powerful, and so overflowing that you can be in the middle of grief and feel a joy that overwhelms you. In fact, I would say you'll never discover joy in being happy. The only time you ever discover joy is in a season of unhappiness. Isn't that amazing? And sometimes God gives us the gift of unhappiness. Gift? You carry a gift? Yeah, that everything in our circumstances is not good. Things are bad and there's problems. You're in the middle of a storm and that's when you discover joy and you go, wow, even though everything around me feels like it's falling apart, I feel like I'm finally together in my heart. It doesn't take away the pain. It doesn't mean you don't have confusion or anxiety. It just means that joy starts taking over and it's an amazing thing. And when you discover joy, then you see life clearly. Then you find true energy. Instead of looking for happiness on the outside, you look to joy, Jesus Christ on the inside, and you'll find joy in the middle of the pain. You see, the, the gift of happiness is if someone gave you a trip to Disneyland, the happiest place on earth, which isn't really that happy. It's the most expensive place on earth, if you ask me. And that's great and fine. You leave Disneyland, you're not happy anymore, you know? Oh man, it's, it's, Disneyland is still there right now where everybody's so happy. And, and because 
you try to make your circumstances just perfect, but they never will be. But the gift of unhappiness is the only way you discover joy. And that's why it's a gift. You find joy in the middle of unhappiness. I remember 20 years ago when I first started having anxiety attacks and panic attacks, I didn't know what it was. I just knew that I felt horrible physically and just all these symptoms started happening. And, and someone said, it's probably panic attacks. And I said, no, I, I love God and I, I don't worry. You know, and they said, it's not about that. It's about the chemical imbalance and all these things. And I started, what? But I remember during that time as I was having terrible panic attacks and anxiety disorder and in the middle of that, God just welled up inside me with joy in the middle of the anxiety. It didn't take away the anxiety attacks. It didn't take away the problem and the pain. It just, I found joy in the middle of it. And I just want to say to you, some of you are going through pain. Some of you are going through depression. And you're going to uh, the doctors. You're doing the things that you need to do, which are so important. And, and, but all, all the medicine and the different things you're doing, it's not quite getting it done. And, and they're still going through this cloud of depression. And I just want you to know it's a gift of depression because God wants you to find joy in it. And I pray that he takes it away, that depression away. But uh, I, I just hope you find joy before he takes it away. You know, I, I just, because joy is so important. Look what the psalmist said in this next verse in chapter 94, verse 19. When anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought me joy. He didn't say when my circumstances were perfect without me and around me, I found joy. No, he said, anxiety was great within me. Your consolation brought me joy. He discovered joy in the middle of his anxiety. He discovered joy in the middle of his pain. It didn't take it away, but it overcame it all. Now, what sparks joy? This fourth thing, relational energy. We don't realize that, but we need to cultivate a healthy connection with others. All of it comes together. When you have a healthy connection with others, it gives you emotional energy. When you have emotional energy, it gives you some more physical energy. When you have spiritual energy, it fuels the others. And it all works together because we're interconnected. Relational energy is so important. And we neglect relational energy because we say, I don't have time. I don't have time to take care of my body or I don't have time to connect with others. And we don't realize that you're made for connection. And if you don't connect, everything starts to atrophy in your life. The most dangerous thing you never do is disconnect from people. It's the most unhealthy thing you could ever do. You need connections. And for a Christ follower, you have to be connected to a local church family because that's the body of Christ. The church is the body of Christ. What I'm saying is you can't grow and expand energy without being connected to a church family. It's like if my hand gets cut off, it's not gonna thrive. It's not gonna live. It's gonna die. If a little one's hand can only grow if it's connected to its body, and if it's connected to his body, that hand will grow. And so you need to be connected to the body of Christ to grow, to expand your energy. You need connection with others. That's why we have our membership class. And next Sunday at all of our campuses, you guys at Itascacita, you guys at North Point, everyone here in the Woodlands, right after the service, next Sunday, we have our membership class. It's from one to three. I teach the class live, and it's gonna be an amazing, amazing time. There are over 300 people already signed up to connect to Woodlands Church. This is how you find out more about the church. This is how you join. You need to connect to a local church family. In your program, we have this card that says next step. We have a membership class and a life class that teaches you how to really grow strong in your faith. You need to take a baby step and connect. That's part of 
obeying. And so if you're not connected to church family, sign up, get signed up right now. We feed you, we have childcare, it's a fun class. That's how you connect. You need to connect to a church family, the body of Christ. You need, you need to be in a life group. It's so important and we don't have time for things that we need desperately. And we wonder why we feel empty on the inside. The whole purpose for you taking on the oxygen mask is to breathe in God's blessings so you can breathe out God's blessings on others. You see, that's why it's unselfish. It's all about expanding your, decluttering your life to expand your energy so that you can be a healing agent in the world. And if you don't do that last part, if you just breathe in God's blessings but you don't breathe them out, those blessings become toxic. Even God's great blessings become toxic in your life. Look at this next passage. Jesus said there was this businessman who was highly successful and he was being really blessed and he told this story in Luke 12. And he told them this parable, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones and there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. Underline the word I and how many times it appears in that passage. This guy had an I problem. He said, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and I'm going to store this up, and I'm going to save this, and I'm going to eat and drink and be merry. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. He breathed in God's blessings. He breathed in God's blessings. He breathed in God's blessings, but he never exhaled. He never breathed out. He never made a difference in anyone else's life. He didn't realize he was blessed to be a blessing. And whenever you breathe in God's blessings over and over again, but you don't breathe out God's blessings and become a giver, it becomes toxic and deadly. In Luke 12, 20, Jesus concluded the story. Just then, God showed up and said, fool, tonight you die, and your barn full of goods, who gets it? That's what happens when you fill your barn full of self and not with God. Yeah, he breathed in God's blessings, breathed in God's blessings, breathed in God's blessings, but he was full of self. And that's what happens when we don't realize the whole reason to put the oxygen mask on, to declutter our life, to expand our energy, is so that we can be a force of God in this world, so that we can minister to the people around us, so that we can show God's love and healing to the people closest to us and people we don't know. That's what it's all about. God blesses you to be a blessing. And if you don't give blessings, then God can't fill you back up. In fact, those blessings become toxic and they're death to the soul. I have been to the Dead Sea in Israel many times and, and when you go to the Dead Sea, it's really wild because you can float in the Dead Sea and it's called the Dead Sea because nothing's alive in the Dead Sea. It has such salt content and sediments that you can just float in it. It's like kind of laying on top of jello. It's kind of gross, really. And the Sea of Galilee flows into the Jordan River. Sea of Galilee is beautiful. It flows into the Jordan River, and the Jordan River flows into the Dead Sea, and the Dead Sea is the lowest point on earth, and nothing flows out of the Dead Sea. And because everything flows in, it keeps receiving, 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 but it can't give out, it's dead. And that's what happens to us when we breathe in God's blessings and breathe in God's blessing, but we never give out God's blessings. It just means that we don't really understand at all how much God loves us because we're afraid to give, because we're afraid to give, because we don't really know how to receive God's amazing love, because he loves us so much we can trust him. It's we don't trust God enough to give, it's because you, we're not really 
feeling God's amazing love for us because you can trust someone who loves you so much that he gave his life for you, that he knows what's best, that he will bless you to be a blessing. And you keep that going and life takes place and joy takes place and power and energy takes place and you find your purpose, but you've got to learn to receive and let it go, receive and let it go, receive and let it go, receive and let it go so that God can continue to give. And it's an amazing process. And God wants you to experience it right now. God wants you to experience in your life breathing in. God wants you to experience his love right now. And God wants you to experience the power of his love. Let's bow together and pray. Dear God, I pray for everyone within the sound of my voice who has not really been connecting to you, but they're Christ followers, not really been taking care of their body, not really connecting to others in relationships, not really paying attention to their emotions. Lord, there's so much in this message, but help us really simplify it down to loving you and loving others as we let you love us. And Lord, I pray that you would help us realize that we've gotta put the oxygen mask on and breathe in your blessings that you want us to, that we're valuable and, and you think we're worth dying for. And, and, and Lord, we're children of yours and our body is your temple and Lord, you, you love us so much. Let us breathe it in right now and feel that love. And then, Lord, let us commit to always breathing out your love and helping others find the oxygen mask. And, Lord, I thank you for what you're going to do in our hearts and what you're going to do in our lives as you set us free with love. And I pray for those who've never received your love, Lord, that they would just say, Jesus Christ, I admit, I have tried to connect with so many things that have always left me empty. I need your forgiveness of all my sins. I ask you to come and live inside me and change me from the inside out. I thank you for making me your house and then take me to heaven one day. I accept your free gift of forgiveness. I want to follow you from now on. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, now we're at the part of our service where we give back to God. And I know that as you give, this is a time where God wants you to listen to because God wants to give to you at this time too. And as we give, I wanna point out a couple of ministries and missions like I like to do every week um, that you can be praying for. One is our student ministry. We have thousands of junior high and high school students that come to Woodland Church and God is just doing amazing things in their lives. It's such a powerful ministry. And this next weekend, we're having reality weekend for them. And that's a Bible study time where they, over 1,200 are gonna be in small group Bible studies. And they're gonna study God's word, grow in God's word. They're gonna have a lot of fun at the pavilion. And it's gonna be a fun weekend. But mostly it's just studying God's word so they can stay strong against peer pressure. And it's amazing. You think of 1,200 junior and high school students studying God's word. It's pretty amazing. And another several hundred counselors and adults with them all the time. It, it's pretty cool to see what God is doing. And then I wanna point out our church in Nairobi, Woodlands Church Nairobi, in the quarry slum outside of Nairobi. God's working through it so powerfully and blessing it, strengthening it. And our pastors there wanna thank you again. But also, Pastor Bishop Philip Katoto and his wife Dina are dear friends. He's the bishop of the AG churches in Kenya, and he's also the pastor of ICC Church, and, and he, helped us, they connected with us to start Woodland Church Nairobi, and he's our dear friend, but he, this last week, uh, had a nephew killed in the terrorist attack in Nairobi at the hotel, and another church member, and he's doing funerals and ministering. We love Kenya and Nairobi, and would you just pray for them? I told 
Bishop and Dina would be praying for them and their family in this time of grief and their church and church family and in all of Kenya. We love them so much. Um, there's so many ministries at Woodland Church, but as we give, connect it to your prayers and thank God for what he's doing through the ministries and missions of the church. Lord, we give to you our hearts and we receive from you your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, church. Thanks for listening to the Woodland Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.